the same old lies If you're trying to feel the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you got faith He's a faith taker If you feel lost He's a way maker If you need freedom or saving He's a prison shaking Savior If you got chains He's a chain breaker We've all searched for light of day surgery with a triple bypass on Tuesday. So please be, that's at Westchester. So let's please be in uh, remembrance of him, lifting him up in prayer. All right, ushers come forward. Uh, we're going to ask you to give as the Lord directs, and I know he'll bless you for it. Our regular tithes and offering this morning. So you give as the Lord directs. Yes. Okay, Cantata's at 545. And yes, communion is tonight. Thank you for reminding me that. I, did, I knew that. 
but I just didn't mention it. So cantata is not six, it's 545. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm going to ask Willie, if he would, to ask God's blessing on the offering this morning. Amen. Page 190. 190, everybody stand. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune thy heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melody sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it, thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by Let me see that old 
So, but I'm calling his number again because I had a song on my mind and on my heart. Um, I want him to sing I Got Saved. Uh, and uh, I'm just, it's Thanksgiving season. You know, we all tend to be a little bit more focused on what we're thankful for this time of year, even though we should be thankful every day of our lives. We've got plenty to be thankful for. But I just got to thinking about how grateful I am for a Savior. Yes. Yes. I've got, I've been blessed with a, with, with things, you know? I've got what I need. I don't really want for anything. Would I like more, maybe? <laughs> but I don't want for anything. I got what I need. God's been good to me in that way. But more than anything, man, I'm thankful for a Savior. Yeah. I'm thankful that He saw me one day when I was dirty and I was wretched and I was lost in my sin, and He called me. He called me. And, and he, I remember the time, we were talking about this a little bit last night, and I guess this was got this going on in my mind. Man, I can remember when I was playing church, and uh, I'd go out during the week and do my thing, and come in here and try to play church during the week. And I can remember when God, almost audibly, I feel like, said to me, man, you got to make a decision. Are you going to follow me, or are you going to follow yourself? And... And he just worked on my heart. I remember it was like a process for like weeks because I'd grown up in church and I felt like, you know, I felt like I was in, I felt like I was good. I felt like I was okay. But all along, I was just following myself and following what my parents were saying and what I heard a preacher say. And there was really nothing that had changed inside my heart. That was the thing. That was the thing that got me. I'd go out and I'd do my thing during the week. And I realized one day that, that, that for some, everything that I've been taught, that, 
that should bother me, but it didn't bother me. Then it started bothering me that that didn't bother me. <laughs> and God started working on my heart. And he said, man, now is the time. you got to make a decision. Are you going to follow me? Or are you going to keep on following yourself? If you keep on following yourself, you're going to drift further and further away from me until one day that you will pass from this life into the next and you will be separated from me forever in a place called hell. But if you choose me, there will be life and there will be blessings. Not just blessings that this world knows, a car, a house. I mean, those are, those are good things. Don't get me wrong. We need those things. But his peace, his joy, his forgiveness, his mercy, which is new every day. I'm thankful for a savior. I'm thankful that he saved me. I'm thankful that I know without a shadow of doubt, if I died today, if I pulled out of this place and a truck come by and hit me, my eyes would close and I'd be in front of him. I'd be standing in glory. And I have that assurance in my life and I pray that you have that assurance in your life today. Do you remember a time when you gave your heart to Christ? Not just said some words, but you gave your heart to Jesus for as good as he's been. He didn't have to go to a cross. He didn't have to leave heaven, but he did so that you and I had an opportunity to know him, to know this good God. I got saved. There is a river of gladness that pours from Emmanuel's veins. The sinner was plunged beneath the flood and God saved. Since then I walk in forgiveness. All of my guilt was erased. and tasted your grace I was so lost till I fell at the cross and God saved Of the Lord, I'm restored and made right. 
feeling afraid, full of uncertainty. When the plans that I make, they all fall apart. When the future's unclear, and all that I can echoing in my heart that he will be faithful to the end he will provide time and time again he will be faithful faithful to the mercy I don't deserve oh there's forgiveness and it's endless for me oh what a blessed assurance to know how deeply I'm
Tomorrow, and you've seen it. Time. 
I want everybody to stand up, sing this chorus. We've sang it before. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son again. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His. And now let the weak say, I'm strong. And now let the weak say, I, let the poor say, I am rich let the poor say I am because of what the Lord has done what the Lord has done for us and now let the weak say and now let the weak say I am let the poor say I am rich let the poor say I am rich because of what because of what the Lord has done for us give thanks amen you may be seated And turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles this morning to Psalm 95. Psalm 95. It's the Sunday before Thanksgiving. We've been making much emphasis on that. It has been my opportunity to preach. I've been speaking on different psalms, speaking about those that focus on Thanksgiving, giving praise to God that is due Him, and it is definitely our duty as man, uh, his creation, to bring that praise to him. We also find ourselves, whether we realize it or not, most fulfilled when we do those things in our life that bring praise to God. One of the things that Satan wants us to believe is that if we fulfill the desires of our flesh, we will somehow be satisfied. But we find that to be false over and over, yet we fall into that trap. But yet Jesus Christ and God the Father is inviting us to come and worship Him for all of the good things that He's done in our life. And if we will come and worship Him, we find that it satisfies a deep place in our soul. But yet, even though He invites us often, Unfortunately, we rarely come, don't we? And we make excuses every day why to not sit at the feet of our Savior God. I'd love to encourage you to just praise Him in His tabernacle today. We have found ourselves in His sanctuary, in His holy place. He's met with us. Let's meet with Him this morning. As we look at Psalm 95, 
I want to read the whole psalm, and I want to share a few things with it that I believe are absolutely wonderful. It is indeed an invitation again to praise. Psalm 95, starting in verse 1, reads like this. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his and he made it. And, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said it is a people that do err in their heart. They have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath, that they should not enter into my rest. Dear Heavenly Father, you know the message that's on my heart tonight, this morning, excuse me. Lord, help us. I believe with all of my heart, the most important thing this morning is the Word of God. So, dear God, as we preach it, dear Lord, let it do its work in a heart that needs to hear it today. Dear Lord, we are echoing with our scripture. I believe that there's someone here and they stand today. They stand on the brink of hardening their heart. They stand at a place of decision where maybe this is the last time that the Holy Spirit speak so dire to their heart if they reject him this morning it would be as if he never knocks on their heart again Dear Lord I pray this morning that they would not harden their heart but they would call upon the rock of our salvation they would find that their maker who has known them before they were formed in their mother's womb, has loved them, has known them, has called them, and longs to justify. Dear God, what a word we have this morning laid out in front of us. Help us, dear God, to present it the way that it should be brought. Dear God, we love your word never ceases to amaze us. Help us this morning, we pray. In your wonderful name, amen. As we've been studying the Psalms and looking at a few of them, 
we've noticed something that the psalmist does. He gives us an introduction. He gives us uh, a theme, as it were, for what he wants to do in the psalm that he presents to us. In this one, there is, it is definitely no difference. As we come to verse number one, we see that he says, Oh, come and let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. And we know right from the very beginning that once again, he is inviting us to come to sing the praises of God, to make a joyful noise about this God that we love, about this God who is worthy of praise. But there's something a little bit different in this psalm that we do see in other psalms, but is unique, not unique, but is concurrent with others, but different than the ones we have been studying. And that is in the fact in this one, he says, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. He gives us an indication of the direction of the praise. We keep hearing before, the God, the great God, the creator God, these different things that we focus on. But in this one, he says, to the rock of our salvation. Now, David didn't know Jesus Christ. David did not understand everything about who the Messiah would be. But me and you have the wonder of hindsight to look back, and when we see the word rock, we have some, if, and let, hopefully you've been with us when we've been going through the Old Testament. Hopefully you've been with us when we talked about the Hebrews, and that was a book of Hebrews a long time ago. But we see that Jesus Christ is so often described to us in the scriptures as the rock. He is the rock of our salvation. He is, the, he is that chief cornerstone. I do not have time to preach that point. I don't believe that I need to make it known or prove it to you, but you can go on your own and look throughout the Old Testament and through the New Testament that Jesus Christ is the rock. As a matter of fact, when Jesus Christ concluded his most famous sermon, he said, listen, you can either build your life upon a rock or upon the sand. And if you will build your life upon the rock, and he was speaking of himself and his work, he said, if you will build it, your house will stand. And Jesus Christ is our rock. He is not only our rock, but he is the rock of our salvation. How else do I know that he's speaking about Jesus Christ? Because no one else has brought us salvation but Jesus Christ. No one else has provided for us, for our sins and what we do, than Jesus Christ. He is described as a rock. This is all in my introduction, and I'm preaching it fast, but that's okay. He is described as a rock because a rock endures. A rock finds itself there, sufficient, and for all generations. Uh, they can lay upon that a wonderful thing. He is called a rock because it is sure. I am secure on the rock, Jesus Christ. It is a sure place that I can set my feet upon, that I can rest upon. The work of Jesus Christ is sure. He is called a rock because he is foundational. I can build my life on Jesus Christ. I can build my family on Jesus Christ. And we can build a church on Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone of every one of those organizations. We find ourselves in need of it. 
Jesus Christ is that rock. I, I, like I said, we can preach that. So this specific psalm, while we do not have to go any further, it is directed towards Jesus Christ and his work. And without a doubt, it is worthy to be praised. God is worthy to be praised because it was his plan, his idea for Jesus Christ. Christ is worthy to be praised because he executed God's plan. And if you want to even go a step further, the Holy Spirit is worthy because he convinces us that that work is so wonderful. Anyway, so we are finding this praise directed towards Jesus Christ. So in this and I, I got just a few points that I'm going to bring out. In this one here alone, we find that Jesus Christ is worthy to be praised. And here's the reasons why. And here's what's so wonderful in this. Those things that he praises God for or the Lord or Jehovah, we find can be synonymous in praise with Jesus Christ. Here I'll explain and I'll move quickly. Number one, he says in verse number three that he is a king or he is the Lord, is a great God and a great king above all gods. Without a doubt, in the Old Testament, God proved himself over and over to be greater than the gods of all the other nations. Man, we don't have time, but we could go back and you can definitely see that the armies around the world took notice of the children of Israel, of where they went and what they did. And as a matter of fact, when the Ark of the Covenant showed up, other nations trembled. There was an unusual power that followed the children of Israel, and the rest of the world didn't really know what was going on, but they could see that Ark. And they knew that the presence of God, that something unusual was going with it. Isn't it wonderful that God still has, has, has things and has places and has ideas that the rest of the world says, wow, there's something going on with that. We could preach on that. We could talk about it. He is a king above all the other gods. But then thank, aren't we glad and aren't we so wonderful that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Even in his humility as he came here on earth, and even in his humility as he took upon him the shame of the cross uh, and, uh, and the despair and the weight of it, yet above there they wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Let me tell you, even though they mocked him, one day he is coming again that same Jesus is coming again and he every knee will bow every tongue will confess that he is the king to the glory of God the Father he is king of kings and Lord of Lords Jesus Christ without a doubt is worthy to be praised because he is the king above all other kings then if we notice number two I, like I said, we, I want to keep moving. Like I said, number two, we find a similar one to the others that we were looking at before. We see that he is praising him for his creator. Notice how he puts these things. He talks about the sea is in his hand and he made it and he has formed the dry land. He said, for he is our God, or he says, oh, come let us worship and bow. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. You know, I, I, as I've been reading through the Psalms and keep go, jumping back through different ones, I, I'm starting to understand 
why, why, why it's so important for us to believe in creation, for us to emphasize creation, and to focus on creation. It is foundation. It is everything that we believe in depends upon this. And I don't want to preach that kind of message this morning. But there should be so much joy that we take in considering that we have been created by God, that he made the world around us. And when that is ripped from us, we are, we are, we are being separated from the very one that made us. It's hard for us. And over and over throughout the Psalms and throughout Proverbs and throughout Ecclesiastes, he is saying, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember what God has done. And it is so good for us to praise him for creation, for creating us. And I already preached that part, but I've been meditating it on it again. And I, and I thought this was absolutely wonderful. It also is true, and I want to say this before I go there, that Jesus Christ is also our creator. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about it. If you're going to study that, that when you go to the book of Genesis, it is plural when it says, let us make man in our image. And I believe with all of my heart that Jesus Christ was present with God the Father and the Holy Spirit at the time of creation. And he was there creating the worlds before they were formed. He was part of all of that. And God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were working together in unity in the creation of the whole world. God was present. Christ was present. And so when I worship the Creator, I worship my Savior, Jesus Christ, as well. But I want you to think about this for just a moment. As I was meditating, this one thought came to my mind, and I think it makes him worthy of praise. When we, and I'm talking about us, and if you think about this, if someone here creates something, they own that, don't they? Right? If they write a song, to me that's an amazing creative power. I've tried to write a song. They're so bad. It's so hard to write a song. I'll write a song and I'll, it's like Andrea, listen to this, and she's like, that was terrible. No, she but no joke, one time I wrote a song, I brought it to the group, and Robbie was like, did you write that? Like that, and I was like, that's how I knew it was no good, because that look, right? Did you write that? Like, where did that come from? But that creative power is so difficult, and when somebody exercises that creative power, it's theirs. They own it, right? But you know what we as humans do? What do we have to do? If it's a song, we got to copyright it. If it's an idea, we have to patent it. Because we're afraid someone's going to take it. But did you know what? Our creator God is not worried about the patent on us or the copyright on us. Because nobody else can do what he's done. Nobody can duplicate the things that he does. Hey, the world tries. I get it but none of that satisfies. Nobody can create man. God has placed only in that, that is reserved in us as human beings to procreate and to make, and no one else can go out and do that. No one else can make the trees and make leaves and, uh, and do what God does. No one can even imagine hardly the power that is contained within the sun. If we even get close, we'll be annihilated. 
kind of sounds like God himself, doesn't it? But yet God has done it, he has sustained it, and he is not worried about someone stealing his copyright. He is worthy to be praised. And can I go one step further? No one can imitate the working power of salvation that God has provided for us through Jesus Christ. He's worthy to be praised because nobody else can do what Jesus Christ has done. Nobody else can do. Also, we said it already, but I, I just keep bearing it out. And because our scripture verses bear it out as well. He is, we are his creation, we belong to him. But God, man, aren't you thankful? There is companion scripture with this in Hebrews chapter 3, and I don't know if we'll have necessarily enough time to look at it, but you ought to go and read it. There's companion scripture that goes along with this and talks about how Jesus Christ, it goes through chapters 3 and chapter 4, and it concludes with the fact that Jesus is not a high priest who cannot be, he can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows who we are. Aren't you glad that even though we have a creator God, he is still a personal God? And yes, we belong to him, but not as someone that has created something and just puts it in a drawer and forgets about it. Not someone that creates it and considers it small or insignificant, but we belong to him. And what David keeps emphasizing over and over in verse number 7, for he is our God. We belong to him, but he belongs to us. He is our God. I have called him my God. I have claimed him as my God. I belong to him. Therefore, he belongs to me. And he keeps pointing this out. We are the people of his pasture, invoking once again that we are his sheep, we are his flock, and the care that he has for us. And again, there is no time to do it this morning. But if you want your heart to be blessed, you go and look at the relationship between a shepherd and his sheep. And guess what? Those sheep are his. But guess what? The sheep are always saying, that is my shepherd. I know him. I can hear his voice. It doesn't sound like anybody else's. He has cared for me. He has, with his overwhelming love, he has earned my allegiance and my trust, and I will blindly follow him wherever he goes. I don't even think about it. The sheep do not even think about it. When they hear his voice, they just go because they know it's going to be good. They know it's going to be pleasant. They know there's going to be water and there's going to be food. They know their soul will be restored. What a shepherd, right? And he keeps on invoking that language as he speaks. He's worthy to be praised. I think we could stop every once in a while and just say, I'm thankful for the good shepherd, what he's done. I say all that, though, that we also have ourselves an unusual song that doesn't stop there. That's good enough in so many ways. 
But he gives us a call here. He gives us a warning here. And he says in verse number 7, if you've heard everything that we've said this morning, you've heard and you've seen how, God, how good God is, how great God is, how much of a creator he is, if you've heard all that today, harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. Notice what he says here. Harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of the temptation in the wilderness. What's he talking about? He's talking about don't harden your heart like the children of Israel did in the wilderness. When I brought them out of Egypt, when I delivered them in salvation power from the hands of their oppressors, when I stayed back the Red Sea, and absolutely destroyed the enemies of the Israelites in that sea, and I brought them out with power and with might and with loving kindness and with mercy. But yet, as they entered into the wilderness, they looked at the deliverance of God, and they were not thankful. That's how simple it is. They were not thankful they looked at Moses and Aaron and said, have you brought us in the wilderness to die? They looked at Aaron and they said, build us a calf that we could worship it. They looked at the manna that fell on the ground and said, we want meat. Unthankful and ungrateful. Hebrews chapter 3. I can take license with this to relate it to Jesus Christ because the Apostle Paul did in Hebrews chapter 3. As a matter of fact, I believe it was Paul that wrote Hebrews. You can argue about that later. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 7, he quotes directly from this passage of Scripture. He says to them, listen, you have someone in Jesus Christ who is greater than Moses, who is bigger than all of those things, and he said, you have seen the salvation of Moses, guess what? The salvation of Jesus Christ is greater than that of Moses. And if you've seen it, and if you've tasted of it, don't harden your heart. Look at the verbiage. Don't harden your heart. Don't tempt me. God says, that word doesn't mean like the way we think. God says, don't put me to the test. The ungrateful heart. I could preach Romans 3 out of this too. Neither were they thankful. Here he goes and he says, listen. The heart that has seen the goodness of God, seen the miraculous, has understood the, sal the salvation that Jesus Christ has brought. And he hardens his heart. You can insert right in there the gospel message, but I know there's so many of you that already know it. That you're a sinner. Christ has paid the price for your sin. Left everything. Gone way further than anyone should ever go. I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus Christ willingly gave himself as a sacrifice for your sin. 
and he rose up the third day and he conquered death, hell, and the grave and he offers you an invitation. And I love the way it's put right here. To come into rest. To come into rest. He offers you that invitation. And listen, are you going to harden your heart? I'm going to let the word of God speak for itself today. Look at how he puts this. Today. If you go, you go to Hebrews 3, 7, keep reading through chapter number 4, he uses that four times. Today, 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 today. Harden not your heart. It's as almost as if this moment is the most important moment of your life. And if you are sitting in the pew this morning and you are trying to decide between will I be grateful or ungrateful, if you have seen and witnessed, if it is apparent to you of the salvation of Jesus Christ, if you are aware of it with full knowledge and you sit there and say no, I will not be thankful. I will not accept it. I need more. I need something different. I need it to fit what I want. I need this or that. Then if you harden your heart, there's no guarantee that the wrath of God will not be poured out on you. You say, Mike, that's hard preaching. Unto whom I swear in my wrath, they should not enter into my rest. Listen, he is a God above all all gods. He keeps his word and his mercy is so abundant and so amazing to those that receive it. But the severity, the severity of God is so severe to those that reject it. He is a God above all other gods. And he has sworn upon his wrath that those who don't know him, those who harden their heart, those who reject his mercy will receive the wrath of God. Wow. You say, Mike, could it really all boil down to being thankful? Again, go read Romans 3. Neither were they thankful. And watch the calamity that falls to those that don't have a thankful heart. Completely degenerate and completely unaware that God is even working in the world. And it started with an unthankful heart. Listen, today, give thanks. Come praise the rock of our salvation. He's worthy. It'll satisfy like you've never imagined. It will do more for your soul than anything you'd ever. Today, today, harden not your heart. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Your heavenly Father, we are trusting in the work of the preached Word of God. We are trusting in the work of the Word of God presented clearly that can do a work that we know we can't do. We also believe that the work of the Word of God is accompanied by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. This morning as the Holy Spirit reaches down into a heart our prayer this morning that they would not harden their heart. But today would be the day of salvation. They would call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Today.
today. We praise you, God, and are thankful for Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we stand. the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory behold the man upon the cross my sin upon his shoulders ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers it was my sin Yeah.